0: I like New Year's, I like birthdays, I like anniversaries. I like those three things because it reminds me that God is good, that as undeserving as I am, I am blessed, and for whatever reason, He saw fit to sustain me till today, and I can pray and ask for days to come. I am also thankful that each time we pass these milestones, each time we flip a calendar or cross a day off We are that much closer to Christ's return. I love it. I I am proud to be an Adventist. Uh, One, I believe that he came, and two, I believe he will come. The first and the second Advent, I I will gladly claim that title. I want to share two things with you before we get into our message, because we have just, just a little bit of time. One is just a simple quote. Um, we, there's, there's a lot of talk about climate change. Here just recently we got super cold. Uh, this is just a, a wonderful quote from Charles Spurgeon. In Christ you have a fountain of joy which frost cannot freeze and heat cannot dry. So no matter what anybody else says in terms of the temperatures going up or down, Uh, Maybe you went without water, and and we pray for people that did. Uh, I I know of another man whose pipes burst, and he wasn't the only one. Uh, When we get around to summer and we complain about the heat and the humidity, your joy in Christ is a fountain which frost cannot freeze and heat cannot dry. That's a great quote. Um, I like it. It made me think of that. How many of us are in the habit of, of doing New Year's resolutions? Are any of us in the habit of doing that? we got one, maybe two, not so many of us. I would be curious because that's a really small fraction of our church. I'm just curious about why we don't, why so many of us don't. I can tell you why I don't. I fail at it. <laughs> I've kind of given up on just doing it and then kind of man. And, and you know, how do I know what I'm going to feel like three months from now and, and so on? And then I also found that a lot of my resolutions when I was in the habit of doing it kind of ended up being a lot of the same thing. I'm always planning and desirous of a little bit more free time, uh, a little bit more time spent with my family, my friends, those that are closest to me. Now, as a pastor, my church family, I really like those moments when we can visit and talk and share. Um, I also always have an interest in, in studying more, first and foremost, from the Word of God, and then secondarily in other material that can kind of help enhance that from, from men and women who are wiser, more experienced, have different perspectives than me, um, all of that uh, with, with the prayer that I will grow in my discipling. I want to grow closer to Christ. I want to grow more in my sharing. And I, that was a goal that I, I think has stopped just being, you know, a New year's thing. It's more of just like, a, well, every day I should be doing this in perpetuity. Uh, so I, I've kind of stopped doing that. You know, I, I, I want to be healthy, I want to eat. And then, and then I just like, well, we'll see what the year brings us. Um, it is good to set goals though. It really is. What prevents a lot of people from setting goals is often, uh, the hurdle of what do I decide, or what if I fail, or where do I begin? So a lot of people either don't, or they make things really generic, so they can kind of f- go with the flow of it, or they get caught up with what other people are doing, and, and it's kind of a peer pressure thing. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to offer something if you are in, or have any interest in setting goals, and this is a great time of of our year to do it, although if you get to January 2 or 3 and you haven't yet, don't stop and wait all the way until next December to think of starting a goal. Any day is a good day to set a goal. Uh, This was helpful for me. Um, I'm going to pass it on. This is just a nice little um, acronym. Uh, You want to set SMART goals. So S-M-A-R-T, SMART goals. Uh, This is what they mean. The S stands for specific Well-defined, clear, and unambiguous. Don't just say, I want to be healthier this year. Figure out what that means. For me, I need to watch my sugar intake. I've got a sweet tooth. I'm I'm rather famous in my family for my sweet tooth. Uh, So I would like to take the amount of sugar intake, it's very specific, and cut it down to two desserts a week. That's cutting it down. Uh, I don't think people believe me when, when, when I say that's, that's what I'm going to try and do, but that's specific. So think of something specific. If you want to exercise more, well, what does that mean? Um, I, want to, I want to walk uh, one mile a day, three days a week. Maybe that's where you're at. Specific. That's good. Uh, I would like to read three books for the year. Specific. Three new books for, for the year. Books I haven't read yet. So specific. That's the S. M is measurable. Uh, specific criteria that measures your progress toward the accomplishment of the goal. Uh, so something so don't, don't just kind of go, oh, it's just really big and kind of long, and you don't really know stages along the way. Books are a good example. If it's three books, uh, well, then you can mark off, okay, I'm halfway done with my first book. And that's measurable if I want it done by February. So half of my first book done by the end of February. That, that's, that's a good kind of measure that you can do, you know, if you're, if you're, looking, at, uh, if you're looking at changing up your, your diet. I keep going back to this because, like I said, I'm going to cut down on my sweets, maybe. Um, you know, something measurable. I want to have two salads a week. Measurable. Uh, that's, that's, you know, something that we can do. A is achievable something that's attainable and not impossible to achieve. You could be specific and measurable, and it could be something like this. I want to read the whole Bible and the SDA commentary and the the full collection of Ellen White's writings by the end of February. Good luck not sleeping. (laughs) Uh, that's, That's probably not attainable. Even if you were to do it as an audio version all the time, I don't think it would be achievable. Uh, so you want something achievable. People tend to give up when that mountain looks so high that they make it to the foothill and go, oh, I can't, I can't get over it. I can't actually keep going. They, they get beat down and frustrated and so on. Um, if, if, if you're looking at that, if you go, and uh, this, is, this is a great one, if you want to increase your Bible reading, okay, and I encourage everybody Read more of this and less of CNN or Fox News or anything else. Read more of this and less of that. If it's attainable for you to read the Gospels this year, great place to start. Read the four Gospels. That's attainable enough, I believe. Uh, If you are a little daunted at the idea of the entire Bible in one year, pick a few. Start with something somewhere. Uh, maybe the minor prophets aren't the best option, but maybe Genesis is. Genesis is a good book. Uh, pick something attainable for you, a- achievable. Um, the R is realistic, so within reach, realistic, relevant to your life purpose. My life purpose is I'd like to be a, a, a better father, a better husband, a better pastor. So I'm probably not going to read a lot of books on quantum physics. Probably not. Uh, I I want it to kind of fit realistically within my day-to-day. I have a few side hobbies, and I have a few other interests that kind of catch my attention. Maybe I'll read an article or two, but that's not where I'm going to devote my goals towards. I'll I'll look for other things. And then timely, with a clearly defined timeline. Include a starting date and a target date. And the purpose is to create urgency, urgency. Notice that I've said kind of along the line if you wanted to do something by the end of February or by the end of January or by... The timeliness is a great thing. Most people know this, maybe you don't. It takes most people 30 days minimum to develop a new habit. So if it hasn't quite sunk in by the 15th of January, just keep pushing, just keep doing it. You'll get to the third week, you'll get to the end of January. It will become easier. By the time you get to the end of February or March... It might even become second nature, and you miss it when you don 't have that that goal in, you know intertwined in your life. so pick a time, a place when you 'd like to accomplish it um, a thousand piece puzzle done in a week, whatever the case may be. Um, but I would encourage you to to come up with something, set a goal it doesn 't have to be because it 's the new year, it could just be because um, but this is this is just an easy way for me to remember I, I use this. You know, I, I remember this little anacronym um, on my own just so I'm not thinking too large or too generic. Maybe it'll be helpful for you. I don't know. With that being said, we are going to turn our attention to our passage for today. So if you have your Bible still open to Revelation or your apps uh, have perhaps gone to sleep, open it up. And let's have one more brief word of prayer and then we will dive in. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your loving kindness. We want to thank you that your arm is so mighty, so strong, so far reaching that you've sustained all of us for this past year and before, as many of us are counting those years in increasing numbers. Lord, we are also so grateful that your arm is so mighty and so strong that you will sustain us moving forward. So I pray, Lord, that that would be a reality for us in our lives. We also ask that as we turn our attention to your word right now, that your Holy Spirit would be present, impressive and, and uplifting in our thoughts, this we pray in your name. Amen. A Couple of light-hearted questions. Um, I I have to thank my son for the first one. Uh, What did the porcupine say when he saw the cactus? I have to make sure I get this right. He'll correct me. What did the porcupine say when he saw the cactus? Well, hello there, Dad. What did pirates call Noah's boat? The ark. Why did Adam and Eve do math every day? Because they were told to be fruitful and multiply. Which minor prophet is well known thanks to cookies? I know. Famous Amos, I heard it. Very good. Famous Amos. I like that one. Which nursery song would Jesus have heard the most? Mary had a little lamb. And then finally, what kind of car would Jesus drive? A Chrysler. I know those are awful, um, but fun, and it's fun. Uh, one of one of my memories. People, you know, we were you just kind of greet, and after you have a holiday, and some, you know, how was your holiday? And and you know, ours ours was fine. It was very nice to have family. Uh, drive down and kind of visit. I hope you had an, an enjoyable Christmas holiday as well. Maybe you got to see family or friends or phone calls. Uh, our days were exhausting, largely because we laughed a lot, and we told stories, and, and we teased one another, and we got to the end of it, and we were just kind of tired. Uh, it's good to be lighthearted about things at times. We don't always have to be uh, Sticks in the mud, or somber, or so serious that people wonder if we're okay. It's okay, and it's good to put a smile on our face. It's good to thank God for how he has blessed us. It is good that when people see you, they wonder why you are joyful, or can smile, or can laugh, or can be calm and peaceful at times when it seems Everybody else is kind of hectic, crazy, and falling apart. Anger seems to run rampant. Stress is certainly skyrocketing. Anxiety is increasing. I also read recently Pew Research said that, that what was it, 40%-ish of Christians in the United States believe we are living in the end times. Uh, more don't believe that. But there's, there's a number that do believe that. And for some people, that's a positive thing. For many people, that's a disheartening thing. Because it always makes us kind of wonder, you know, when whether we're joyful or whether we are stressed or depressed or, or all of those things, we have to ask ourselves sometimes, why? Why would, be, why would we be that way? What kind of moves us along? Well, for for me, and I pray that it is for you, for the Christian, it should be that by faith we have accepted the grace of God through Jesus Christ and his righteousness has been granted to us. Because of that, because our Father in heaven loves us so deeply, so infinitely, so expansively, that even when I trip up and fall and he lifts me up, like our forgiveness children's story, I know he will. I know he's ready to offer it and I can find joy in that and I can put a smile on my face. I can share that with others. I know that when I read the word of God and it tells me that, that we are more important and special to our heavenly father than birds and lilies and the other created things on this earth. So why stress about some of these things? That brings a smile to my face. We don't always have an easy go of it, but as Christians, when we read those things and we say, praise God for a God who loves us, we can be joyful. We can can laugh and we can share and and we can perhaps let some things roll off of us that other people, it burdens them. When we read about the church in Laodicea, in Revelation chapter 3, we... Some of us are going to be fairly familiar with the letters to the churches. A little bit of background, it's believed that this has a two-part application. One as literal letters to the churches in that area. Those are kind of well-known churches in, in East Asia. But then also a secondary application to churches throughout history or to where churches are in their own application even where you are right now. Because perhaps you are reading through and you look at, at Ephesus, the works, the toil, the patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. You've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. Christ knows of your enduring patience and bearing up of his name. Maybe that's a church or, or an experience for you. Maybe you read about the church that has forgotten its first love and Christ is wooing you back. And, and, and he needs to woo you back. You want it, but but you need Christ to ask for you to come that way. So it's not that these are locked into a specific thing. There's, there's a broad application. But we do understand that the church in Laodicea, in a special way, is speaking to the Christian church right before Christ's return. And we can think of churches throughout history. We can think of the Christian church movement around the world and how there were joys and there were men and women who could sing and joke and smile when other things were crumbling because their faith was so rock solid in Christ or they were so poor that they could only trust in God for their provisions. And so we come to the church in Laodicea and we see two things out of it. One, we're going to spend a little bit more time on, but first our verse. Revelation chapter 3, behold, I stand at the door, and verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. How many of us have heard this verse preached, expanded, and applied at the end of an evangelism campaign? I certainly have. I have done it. That's often where we hear it, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is certainly Jesus Christ standing at the door of humanity and saying, humanity, mankind, is lost, and it needs me to save them. Who amongst all of the billions that have ever lived recognize their desperate state and will accept me as their Savior? Christ died Not for the elect and the pre-chosen, but for mankind, any and all who would accept him. So Christ is standing at the door of humanity and knocking, saying, I'm putting an effort into you. Will you open the door? Will you acknowledge what I have done? And there are no boundaries and there are no states or countries that this does or does not apply to in a limited sense. All of y'all. It also, in a very special way, applies to an individual. And this is, this is perhaps where we hear it the most. Is Christ standing at, your, at the door of your heart today, knocking? Have you found yourself slipping a little in your walk in communion with him? Christ is knocking. Will you open it? Have you not yet made the decision to let Christ be Lord and Savior in your life? He's knocking. Once, twice, ten times, fifty times, fifty years. If you have not yet made the decision for Jesus, He is still knocking. Don't wait for tomorrow to answer the knock. And you don't need to check the ring doorbell to see if it's really him. The Bible tells us it is. Have you made that decision? Are you wavering? Is the world very attractive to you? Is your family tradition or how others think about you keeping you from opening the door? He's appealing and he's knocking and he's he's asking and he's calling out to you. Will you accept that knock today? If someone here, before we move on, if someone here that's applicable to, pray today and accept the grace that God wants to extend to you. Don't wait. Don't consider it for too long. If you have felt the Holy Spirit's prompting on your heart and that Conscience is being pricked just a little bit, and you haven't given your all to Jesus. He's knocking today for you. He's knocking today, will you answer the door? That's certainly one application, and that's the application we hear the most, and it's it's a correct way of using it. We're going to spend a little bit more time on the entire context of where this comes in. To the church in Laodicea. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write. This is verse 14. The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. That does not mean that God created him. That means that he is the source of God's creation. Christ begins God's creation. Christ is the active agent in the creation. This is not that he was. Verse 15. This is what the letter says, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Other translations have it a little bit more vivid. I will spew you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Uh, If you've ever eaten a a piece of food that tastes or has a texture like celery, you know what he means. You put something into your mouth and it's instant. You can't help yourself. It's got to get out. There are lots of foods that would fit into that category for me. Maybe some come to your mind. Because you are neither hot nor cold, and that description is described three times, not hot nor cold, and then we add a fourth one, the lukewarmness, means take note. Christ is saying to this church, you're standing in the middle of the road, you're straddling the fence. We talked about that this morning in the group that I sat with for, for most of Sabbath school. You're right in the middle of the road. You're straddling the If you're straddling a fence and that fence has barbed wire, you're going to get cut. If it's electrified, you're going to get shocked. If you stand in the middle of the road for too long, what do you risk? Getting run over, flattened like a pancake or a possum. Stay out of the middle. And in the most vivid of descriptions, do not doubt that if you are standing in the middle of the road on your Christian walk and your commitment to Christ, it is unacceptable to him if you are waffling just a little bit and you're trying to teeter-totter and balance between all of what I want and I'll let him have what I'm comfortable with, this verse should speak to us. It is unacceptable to Jesus for you to give only 50% of you or 70% of you or 99% of you. Christ will only accept you if you are fully hot in his favor. And don't forget or pay attention to this fact that yet as Christ looks at it, he would rather you be as cold as a hard-hearted atheist than a middle-of-the-road Christian. That's preferential to him than a middle-of-the-road Christian. So the church in Laodicea, I know your works, you are this way. In verse 17, for you say, this is how this is how they are, how this church is neither cold nor hot. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. There is a very real temptation that as God blesses, we tend to attribute the blessings to us or to the job that we work at or to the family that is helping us. The Laodicean church, and I dare say the Christian church in the 21st century, in the 20th century, fits this mold. God has blessed us. We, we are blessed where our church is situated Northwest Georgia in the United States of America is a blessed place for the location of Christianity. Not a lot of persecution going on. You can go downtown and hand out flyers without serious risk of threat. Maybe someone will kind of act agitated, but no one's going to arrest you. No one's going to throw you into prison or say we'll hang you in a week. Other countries have that. We are blessed where we are. We have air conditioning and heat and a new roof. Walls that keep out the wind. Multiple rooms for our youth departments and our adults and our our wonderful kitchen and fellowship hall. This church is blessed. And you are blessed. I I heard some statistic. Up until... I believe it was in the late 1800s, Americans lived on what would be less than, less than 50 cents a day by today's money, up until the late 1800s. Don't quote me on that. I'm pretty certain that was roughly less than 50 cents a day is what Americans lived on until the late 1800s. Uh, that is well below abject poverty in terms of how we measure those kinds of information the reality is most of Earth's history the vast majority of of men and women and boys and girls have lived well below poverty and and, and into abject poverty people died young uh, women had a couple of kids if they survived the childbirth men had got married multiple times because of that. Kids, you might have seven kids, but only three of them would see adulthood. That is tough for most of history. We are blessed. We are very blessed. But the Laodicean church, and if this fits to you, often takes those blessings and says, how wonderful am I, how hard have I worked my merits helped me, and so on. Because we see our blessings, and we go, what more do we need? We've got the carpet and the pews and the lights that turn on. We have prospered, and we say we need nothing. But as Christ looks at us, he says, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich in white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Our real condition in our self-dependence is that we are wretched and naked and poor and blind and so on. The moment you become self-dependent in your Christian walk is the moment that you are that to Christ. You are, you, he can bless you, but if you take those and say, this is mine, then you are now, now the description of Laodicea. Do you have that problem in your life? There are times when I get caught up in what we have. There are times when I just go, well, maybe I deserve this or I've, I've earned this, so it must come to me. We have what we have because God is good, and he sees fit to give or allow all things. All things. But the Laodicean church is not that way. The Laodicean church believes that they are so rich and prospered, they don't need anything. Maybe they go through the motions, maybe they say the right words, use the correct terms, feed the same way, go through what we've always done before, and we'll just keep on going because we have need for nothing else. And along the way, we tend to trust in the actions and the motions and so on, rather than always seeking how is God leading us, what is his will for us. Because then we come down to this, in loving and tender words, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. In other words, it's not, you are not out of hope. In love, he teaches us what we should do. Because I stand at the door and knock, he says anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. In this context, we are speaking about a church that has become so self-dependent that we have edged and elbowed and nudged and pushed Christ out the door like an unwanted and unwelcomed guest in our house, and then we've slowly close that door until it clicks. This is a picture of Christ standing outside of his church. And he only gets there when we have edged him out. He only gets there when we have closed the door on him. Christ only gets out of the church when we have said, we've got this. We don't need you. When we reflect on how good he has been, and maybe we say thank you, and you can say the words and you cannot mean it, how true is that? Inch by inch, we've kicked him out. Inch by inch, we've shoved him to the edges and the borders until we've pulled the curtain closed and clicked the door. And I dare say in some congregations and in some individuals' lives, they have also deadbolted it, shackled it, put the lock down in the floor and in the door jamb. So self-sufficient are they. I believe that's one reason why the Christian church has been on an accelerating decline in a a country where we are so blessed to practice our faith. We should be growing in the Adventist church in the United States. We should be growing in Christendom writ large where we are. All the benefits are there for us. God is good to us and we're not. It is estimated that Christianity in the United States is going to be in the minority in about 30 to 40 years, give or take, in the minority. We're currently at about 60 to 63% of, of, of Americans profess Christianity, but it's sliding rapidly, downward. Well, when churches have edged Christ out of the church and then they become self sufficient and they think that they can razzle and dazzle and that will attract, will never outrazzle and dazzle the world. Never will. As people forget about loving your neighbor as you love yourself and loving others as Christ loved, as we forget about working and, and graciously entering into people's lives where they are instead of automatically expecting them to be where we are, well, it's no wonder people edge out. It's no wonder that the young ones, the younger generations, look at empty formalism because we are self-sufficient and say, where's Christ? Where's the love that I read about in the gospel? Where is the man that, that touches the sick? that listens to the hurting, that has a hurting person come to them and, and, and welcomes them into the fold instead of just kicking them out, goes to the strangers, etc. When they see churches that don't do that, it's no wonder that we are on a decline. We think we've got it all figured out and we aren't hot. This is, this is a message for the church. Thankfully, the one who conquers, Christ will grant him to sit with him on the throne as he conquered and sat down with his Father on his throne. And then he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. As we come to the end of the year, it is a great practice to reflect on how God has blessed you in 2022. It's great to to think of, as a Christian, a good spiritual practice. It's great to take a pen or a pencil in hand, not an electronic typing. There's studies that say it's better this way. Take a pen or a pencil in hand, real paper and write it out. It sticks with your memory longer. It takes effort to write. Write out God has blessed this year and I am thankful for XYZ. And then at the end of it say It's not because of me that I am blessed. It's because of Christ and him crucified that I am blessed. When we are seeking Christ, when we are hearing him knock at our door and crying out to us, if we hear his voice, he's not a silent knocker. He's crying out. When we hear that and then let him in, Acknowledge it tangibly at times if you need to. Put it first on your lips. Praise God for what He has blessed me with. I don't have it without Him. Open that door. I assure you, when you hear Him knocking at the door of your heart, and when we as a church hear Him knocking at the door of our churches, at our church's door, And we let him in, not secondarily, but first, primary, out front, leading and lighting the way. And he gets the glory and the praise and the thanksgiving. Not only will we have a reason to smile and to laugh and to find a fountain of joy that frost can't freeze or heat dry up. We will also come across this verse and realize that it is not a knock knock joke. This is Christ knocking, and we should take it very seriously. Do you desire, as we enter into a new year, do you desire for Christ to enter into your heart? Do you want to invite Him to cross the threshold of your mind and fill you with His presence? change your character and mold it after him and lead you forward until he takes us home to glory? Is that your desire? I would invite you to join me and stand if if that applies to you. If you have answered in the affirmative, stand and join me as we pray. And as I pray, I'm going to have a moment of silence, and that's the time. If you want to send up your own prayer and open that door and accept him in, for this year and years to come. Take advantage of it. If not, still pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that your love did not need to be earned, that your love was so abundant from time, eternity in the past until present, and time, eternity into the future, that you could not bear to have us separated from you, so you gave Christ to us. Lord, we thank you and we acknowledge that if it were not that way, we would have been lost before the outset had even been completed. And so we praise your name for that. Lord, we thank you that your efforts toward us are unwavering. They are steady and they are sure. Lord, I am so thankful that today we are not only expressing a hope in the future, but also we are claiming an assurance in our salvation today. Lord, if there are those of us that need to be prompted a little bit harder, I pray that you would bring it home to us. Lord, I would ask now that you would listen to these prayers as we offer them up before your throne. Heavenly Father, thank you for turning an attentive ear towards us. Lord, I pray that as we look forward to this new year, I pray that we will commit ourselves wholly and completely to you, to your service, to being a witness for others. Lord, we desire to be counted among those that stand on the sea of glass. Lord, I pray that you, through the presence of your Holy Spirit, would attend to each one of us and our families, and our loved ones, wherever they might be. Woo us closer to you. Put your arm around us. Lift our thoughts above this dark world and into a heavenly world. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us where we fall, for we will fall. I pray that you would lift us aright again. And Lord, I pray that your grace would then be poured out immeasurably upon us. Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for sustaining and providing and blessing. But most of all, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Lord, we pray all of these things in his blessed name. Amen.